Hello, welcome back to Turf Talk. It is our Ebor Festival review. It's been a while since we've done a review podcast, but there's so much to talk about from the Ebor meeting that we felt we had to give it its own episode. My name's Lewis Tomlinson, and on the other end of the line, after just being let down for a treble, look at the state of James Watson. Hello, I'm a broken man. Um, a certain Love Island individual has brought my heart in a race at Yarmouth. Uh, wasn't her biggest fan uh, on Love Island, and I'm now not an even bigger particular fan of her either. Molly May. That is the person in question, Mrs Fiat 500. Sent Jim into a fury. Get in there! Get in there! When she let down the last leg, we had to get out. I mean, we're not even doing it on purpose anymore. How many Love Island references can we get into an episode? It's been a while, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, we all love a bit of Love Island, and that's probably the only disappointing thing that's happened this through coronavirus is I haven't got to watch Love Island. What would you pick if you could have had racing suspended for another month or Love Island back on telly? It de- it depends how long the episode of Love Island was, because if it went on for a year, then it would probably be that. But as soon as racing's every day, and it's something to watch every day, It'd probably have to be racing. <laughs> he had to think. He had to think there. Uh, we will talk about the racing. And the first big race of the Yorkie Bar meeting last week was the Judmont International. And Jimmy's now the highest rated horse in the world. He's gay off. He's a horse who I got completely wrong at the start of the season. Thought it just took such a narrow set of circumstances for him to be able to produce his best. He's a hell of a lot better than I thought he was a couple of months ago. And I think it's entirely justified that he's the best horse in the world. Yeah, completely agree. And I got this race completely wrong. Um, I have been more of a fan of Gay this season than you. Uh, fancied him strongly for his last two starts, other than the Judmont. I didn't. Fa- I don't know what it was, but there was just something that didn't make me fancy him for it. Um, and he certainly proved me wrong. And he just gallops them into submission, doesn't he, over a mile and two. Uh, he set the fractions. He, he he kicked on, and, and it might have been that York camera angle on. I was watching it on racing TV that was slightly possibly deceptive to think that he's, is he finding as much as he normally does off the bridle? Is he going to pick up as much? Because there was that brief brief moment that made me think, oh, he might not get going properly. Lord North and Camico Camico was coming up the uh, far side rail. Uh, Lord North was still travelling all right, but the wheels were spinning but weren't going anywhere. And Magical was being hard pressed under Ryan Moore, but Gayarth kept on galloping out in front. Uh, he's absolute different gravy over this distance. He's an absolute superstar and rightly deserved to be the, the best racehorse in the world. I just I, I, I struggle to see how he gets beat against horses racing solely on the merits because he couldn't. I kind of thought he was the sort of horse last season that I'd win his race in the first half of it. By just tanking so far clear. Like it didn't matter what anyone else did. You know, he'd sustain. Well, the pace he'd go, no one else could match. And he'd get so far ahead that he couldn't do it. And then, at Newmarket, we saw he could actually sustain it. And properly sustain it. Over a mile and a half. And then we saw that Sandown. He's a hell of a lot more tactically versatile than before he was. Yes, he, yes, he leads, but he doesn't have to absolutely bowling along you can utilize his gears to his advantage uh you know in in a top class sense nowadays 
York, I felt, always looked like he was going to suit him. But again, just the way he takes, you know, a little bit of a breather, fill his lungs up, and then he kicks again. You know, for the horse to still be able to finish races off the way he does, given how he races early, is phenomenal. I know people have said, you know, the way the way to beat Gareth might be to try and light him up with a pacemaker. If I if I was uh, William Buick riding Gareth in the arc, I I just let a pacemaker do what they want. Yeah, I'd be happy because I think he's comfortable enough. I think he's comfortable enough now. If he needs to, to slot him behind, I don't think that he's that one dimensional anymore. It's 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 a tough one as well going forward. Because I think he's a better racehorse than Enable at this stage. I think he's a better racehorse than Love. But the way the app may pan out means it may be hard for Gayaf to pull off what he's been doing all season in a race. You know, that, that tends to have a, a bigger field, a little bit harder to dominate from the front. Saying that, though, I really wouldn't put him past him and he'd be the one I'd want to be with at this stage. But why do you think it's necessary for him to go to the arc? Why doesn't he go to the champion stakes? You want to run in the arc, though, don't you? No matter what people no matter what people say. I mean, you don't. You want to run everything in the Breeders' Cup. Yeah, but well, that's, that'd be, I was going to mention that as well. I, I <laughs> think it'd be fascinating uh, going to the Breeders' Cup this year. Um because he's, he's still fairly lightly raced. Um, I know, I think he's the third five-year-old to win the Judmont, which uh, is quite impressive, to be fair. Because uh, if you look at him, he's 12 runs as a five-year-old. You might as well give him a go, mightn't you? Um, I'd go Champion Stakes, then I'd go Breeders' Cup. If you have a horse like him, though, that's one. The Commonwealth Cup, sorry, not the Commonwealth Cup, the Coronation Cup. Christ, how quick! Coronation Cup as well. I mean, he's uh, a blazing front runner. However, <laughs> I yeah. don't think he's that good. Uh, the Eclipse and the Judmont. I don't know, mate. I think it'd be strange. I think it'd be a strange decision for Godolphin not to run the best horse in the world, who is a multiple Group One winner at a mile and four in the arc, and that's that's me saying from a logical point of view. I understand I personally prefer him over ten and twelve. Fractionally. But the arc's the arc, that's all I'd say, and I'd be staggered if he didn't line up in it. Because you could say he sort of got his own would you say he got his own way in front last time in the arc. He he led for most of the way. There was a there was an O'Brien pacemaker behind in the Japanese horse. Um there weren't a decent enough clip on softish ground. Um, he had to do. He had to do a lot early though, there, didn't he? Because he was drawn. He was drawn widest. Yeah. So he was already almost facing an uphill battle. Uh, to, to almost play to his strengths, he was in a position where he was going to have to have the right job on to have the race pan out how Gaff wants it. I just look a, any racehorse who comes up against Gaff this season is racing on Gaff's terms. And that's a scary thing. Because I don't think I don't think any other trainers, as good as Enable is, I I don't get the sense that Enable is sort of horse you'd be looking at and trying to plot around getting beat. You know what I mean? Mm. 
run through our merits and see what you could do. I, I just wonder whether Gaff is such a proposition nowadays that, you know, people are going to have to try and find a way to beat him on different terms. Because if you let Gaff get out in front and bowl along, he wins. He wins. A free runner race between him him and Abel and Love over any trip, over 10 or 12, I'd be with the Godolphin horse both times. It's just throwing a bigger field and potentially horses who may just be there to wind him up. Uh, which I don't think is as big of an issue as I did it a couple of months ago, to be fair. But whether it'd be as easy to replicate that in the arc, I'm not sure. Because I already think I know if if they run in the arc, which also will be taking him on. Go on. I think I think they'll use sovereign. Yeah. Because you don't want to look the. I I think after what O'Brien said earlier this season about you know we don't use team tactics and we saw Serpentine win the derby, you know doing doing what he did and to be fair it could be Serpentine, but I'd I'd, I'd wager slightly fractionally towards sovereign. They can run Sovereign in the race to wind Gayaf up and act as a pacemaker with the ability to fall back on the idea of, well, he won the Irish Derby this way, so we are running him on his merits. This is how he wants to be ridden. As a little bit of a subterfuge for him to go out and actually try and light Gayaf up and get him to do too much too soon. I don't think it'd work. I don't think it'd work, but... If anyone tries, I can understand the thinking The thinking for it. If he does line up in the arc, Jim, what would you make of him? I'd, cert- I'd certainly... He'd probably be... He's, well, he's, he's rated the best horse. He should probably... I think he... Was, there, was he around 6-1 to one on Saturday when I was having a look? Um, and I thought that price was a bit of an insult to him. Uh, he's quite clearly been the best uh, race horse this season. Uh, I, I expected him to be two to one favourite, and then when, as much as I love, as much as I love love, um, I think she's the wrong price for the arc now. Um, he'd certainly go with a leading chance. I wouldn't put you off him at all. I think he's got a probably an outstanding chance of winning it. And um, if you, if I had to rate at this moment in time, Gayarth Love and Enable, it would probably be in that order: Gayarth first, and uh, Love second, and Enable third but you've got to think that weight difference of love going into the arc will be a hell of a difference uh, and a major positive to her and as much as gay arc can run him into submission it's a you can't give away weight at that higher class level like that i just i understand that i understand that and, and you know looking looking back at the arc you know, Walgeist won the won it last year as a five year old uh you know, as a five year old horse. You're going back to you know, what Marion Bard, two thousand and three, the last five the the, the only other five year old uh to have won it this century, both actually entire cults, no five year old mare has done it uh, since the turn of the century. So you're looking at You're looking at Gayaf conceding a lot of weight to a very, very good racehorse in love. But, look, you, you, it, it doesn't always quite work like work like that. But, 
like even watching watching Baden Baden from last year, Gay Gay could have beaten what Love beat in the in the Yorkshire Oaks by twenty odd lengths, giving them weight. You know, and that's why whilst you know I'm a huge fan of Love as well, I think she's quality, but at this at this stage, I just how how. how if if you get close to him, he can take off again. And yeah, I, he's very close to being flawless at the minute. I think very close to being flawless. He could be the best middle distance horse we've seen, you know, for a fair while. Yeah, and and that's no disrespect to enable. It's just that she's not had as good a competition as what she's used normally had. Uh, and Gayarth has certainly come back this season a completely different horse. He's a lot. He, he recovers from his races a lot better. He he's sort of he's he's turned into a man really. Uh, and I, I you have to respect the job that Charlie Appleby and William Buick have done. William Buick does an excellent job to get him settled and get him rolling, get him in a nice rhythm. That rhythm is what's important to Gayarth's running style. Once he's in that. And he's got his breathing going. He's, he's nigh on impossible to stop. And it's a fascinating, mouth-watering prospect uh, going forward to the arc. Yeah, of those beaten, Jim, Magical is is top class, but not an all-time great. We love her because of how consistent she is, and she's a really, really decent barometer of where these horses were at. Fairly disappointed by Lord North. Didn't feel like he quickened as well as he, as he did at Ascot. Uh, and Kamiko showed up better than his actual winning distance suggests and surely there's a big race in him this year or is he just going to continue to be I mean it sounds daft to say a horse who's won a guinea as a nearly horse but that's kind of the way this season's been going for him since that yeah slightly frustrating just a mention on Lord North who I really didn't fancy the chances I know the ground was good on the first day but I think it was there was a fair bit of cut in it Uh, and Lord North was, he travelled with the same amount of ease as what he did at Ascot. He just wheels didn't pick up. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't rule out Lord North. I'd possibly even mark him up slightly a bit more for that performance. I've, I've never exactly been the biggest fan of him. Um, but he ran a lot better than I was expecting uh, in the Jurmont. Kamiko becoming frustrating to follow, but I think, like you've said, one day he'll pop up in a, in a mile group one and he'll certainly get his head in front um, I, I thought he'd improve for the mile and two it's clear that he just got slightly tired late on uh, and dropping him back to a mile it'll probably be a completely different horse and uh, hopefully he can get another group one before the end of the season yeah Kamiko Cam- to be fair to him despite finishing fourth was the only horse who at any stage looked like a threat to the winner yeah, I thought he was burrowing up uh, the inside. I thought uh, he was going to get there eventually. Yeah, fair enough, mate. Where would I mean? What would you say, Lord, Lord North? I mean, we, we could have three, three Champions Day winners in behind that if we wanted to send Magical uh, to the Phillies and Mares. You know, which is a race she won back in 2018 before winning the Champion Stakes uh, last season. Lord North could win the Champion Stakes and Kamiko could win the QE2. Yeah, there you go. There's your treble. <laughs> ha! 
anti-post, uh, but... Speaking of, the, speaking of the QE2, we won't have Mahaffa lining up. Uh, really disappointing news from Marcus Trigoni's team this morning that Mahaffa's uh, been retired due to an injury. Uh, like I say, he done a marvellous job with, with that horse, uh, given his fragility and getting a horse who I think very much could have been a what-might-have-been type animal. And I guess to a degree he still is because we only saw him put a top-class field to bed the one time in the Sussex Stakes. But he's proven really what he was capable of and he should be a really exciting stallion. Yeah, most certainly. I echo everything that you've said. Uh, moving there, moving on then, Jim, to the Yorkshire Oaks. And I mean, we've already discussed, love, a very, very simple five-length victory. It sounds daft saying a very simple five and victory in a group one, but that's all it really was. Nine to four on was the SP uh, for love to wander away from Alpinista, one voice Manuela de Vega in behind. Just by far the best horse in the race on everything we knew about them before, and she did what she had to do with the minimum of fuss. Uh, completely agree, and uh, another impressive performance from her. She's going from strength to strength in each performance. I know we all knew that there wasn't anything in this that was necessarily going to be a world beater to try and beat her. Um, we thought she, she got a lovely sit uh, just in second, just following Manuela de Vega. The race set up for her in an ideal way. Um, just sat behind the leader. Travelled with supremacy throughout. Uh, and I was really, really impressed with the way she stretched on in the end. Um, she's slowly becoming this champion filly and hopefully she can continue uh, the good run that she's having. Aidan O'Brien and uh, uh, Ryan Moore, have had, they've had some good fillies in the last couple of years and uh, hopefully there's a few more to come down the pipeline and Ryan Moore gets on with love so well. You can see there's a little glint in his eye uh, how much he likes her. Um, there's that picture, there was one on Twitter that had... Uh, Michael Ryan, Harris. Yeah, Ryan Moore was, had left the race course and gone on to the other side and was just watching her uh, just walk round. And, and that's a side to Ryan Moore that not a lot of people seem to see. Uh, he's more of a caring uh, attention to detail. And, and just watching her, I thought that was the most heartwarming thing of the week. And I'd, she's a superstar. And hopefully she goes to the arc with, a, a proper solid chance to try and get the better of Gayar. If you were Ryan Moore, Jim, what would you be doing in the arc? Would would would? I'd be getting in the sauna. <laughs> Jesus Christ, lad, you'd, you'd be better off getting in now. To be fair, we might we might have half a chance. I but think if you cut me in half, I still won't be able to write love in the arc. But from a tactical point of view, knowing that Gayath can do what he does, would there be any difference in the way you'd want Love to be ridden? No, I'd, I'd probably keep a rider similar to how he did in the Oshos, keep her fairly close to the pace, don't get too far away from Gayath. He knows Gayath inside out now, having ridden uh, Magical in the Judmont and Japan in the Eclipse. He knows how the race will set up, what Gayath will do, uh, when he'll turn it on. He knows how Gayar's going to ride, and I think that's only an advantage towards Love, because 
he'll know when he'll have to say go on it or when he'll have to go and try and catch her. And it's going to have to be, she's going to have to be a good filly to go and catch Gayar. But I've all faith that she will. And I think she'll sit third or fourth, not too far off the lead. Um, because if you let Gayarth go, at your peril you will. Um, uh, interesting that Ryan Moore's going to have to seriously sweat down. It's eight stone nine. I, I, I wonder if anyone's got any figures. When was the last time Ryan Moore did eight stone nine? Um, I think that's fascinating that he's going to try and get down to that. And hopefully he does. And oh, I'd love her to win the love her to win the arc. Liked her as a two-year-old. Loved her even more as a three-year-old now, and and hopefully she carries on a good run. Yeah, Aidan O'Brien's won the arc twice, both with four-year-olds, or Jim, to be fair. And and his record with three-year-olds in the arc actually isn't. I mean, I don't want to say he isn't great, but no, no three-year-olds in the first three in any of the arcs in the past decade, which I find really surprising. You know, not 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 a single Coolmore three-year-old has finished in the first three of an arc in the past decade. That's a good start. I didn't know that. That's that's a major negative, then, isn't it? I mean, I wouldn't. It wouldn't be something I'd I'd be uh, hugely worried about because I know they tend to, uh, you know, come on for his one aid and O'Brien's two two uh, arc winners found and Dylan Thomas obviously both won it. Both won it at four, and you know he, he trained the one, two, three in 2016. Uh, we're all four-year-olds, weren't they? Uh, Highland Real and Order of St George, was it? Correct. Back in the day, but yeah, it's, it's not something. It's not something that he's particularly for a trainer who has had so many, you know, Derby winners, Oaks winners, really top-class three-year-olds. Going, you're going all the way back to 2002. Uh, when High Chaparral was placed for the last day, no Brian three-year-old to make the frame in an arc. It's a surprising stat, and it's going to be something Love's going to have to change, because especially given you know that three-year-olds have won more than half the arcs since the turn of the century, that Aidan O'Brien's not been able to get one in the three. Maybe a minor worry there, if if there is ever going to be a worry about. Uh, Aidan O'Brien, which and you can only criticise him for minor things. He must be shit, Jim. He's not had a three-year-old placed in the arc. He's, <laughs> he's not done it with a three-year-old. What a rubbish trainer! Uh, I really wasn't expecting that. <laughs> no, he's dreadful. He's dreadful. Uh, no, he's, he, he's got an absolute diamond here. Do you think she's the best of his fillies that you've seen in your lifetime? Up there with the mindings and the fouls. That's a good question. Uh, I think the arc will bring down that question. I'm of the opinion that Minding is possibly the best, in my opinion. Um, she's probably third out of that list, uh, Love. However, going on to the arc, it could soon change around. If she runs an outstanding performance in that or even goes and wins, uh, stays in training as a four-year-old, I do think it's far too early to say how good Love is in comparison to others to the others um, but she's not far away from getting towards the top two fillies that he's had no she's not had the opportunities yet has she no on what she's done so far she's on that trajectory I'd, I'd have it the way around I'd have found over minded fractionally but love is well 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 on the way I mean she's she's not a mile off as it stands uh, 
but top class. Learn, didn't have to learn much about her, but look, if you can pick up group ones for fun, why wouldn't you? Uh, on to the Friday and Batash. I mean, look, what more can we say about him? The world's best five furlong sprinter, the best five furlong sprinter I've seen in my lifetime, got the job done. Maybe a little bit harder than people felt having to battle away from Kayamaro and Moskill. Uh, but look, he's the best in the world. Yeah, certainly is. And like you said, it, it was nice to see a different side of him, that the gritty and determined. We've not seen many horses manage to keep up with Batash from the beginning. Um, even you look at your own eights of this world, he, he blitzed them at the start at Goodwood. Uh, but it was nice to see Kayamaro keep going uh, out in front, even though she went off a blistering gallop with him as well, especially on that ground. I don't think that suited him at all. Um, I did, he didn't certainly didn't do any... any favours to him at all, so I, I think solid performance, love to see him, I, I love what Breeze Cup alert again, uh, I'd love to see him go for that, um, I think they need to go and test him in America and see how good he is in comparison to American sprinters, uh, I'm sure he'll be even, he'll be up there and he'll probably win, um, however, Kayamaro, I tell you what, York form in them sprint handicaps we've seen in recent years has been a lot better than what people have, have given respect to. You go back to the early, well, three, four years ago, you had your major jumbos, your El Astronautes, all winning uh, big sprint handicaps. And you've seen him, Moss Gill's run a cracker for James Bethel in that. He, uh, she'd uh, been running tremendously well uh, in York handicaps previous and you look at Kayamaro, who'd been running well in York Handicaps last year. She'd done an outstanding job. Uh, and I th- you think that handicap form isn't too far away from, from Group 1 level. And it's not a, it's not a rant. I don't, I don't want to make it into a rant. But should, should five furlong races be Group 1s? Yeah. Yeah, there's a purpose for them. There's a purpose for them in the calendar, I think. I... I like them. I quite like... It's, I see sprints, and I've talked about this before, as the closest things to almost like long-distance Hennessy-type things over over the jumps. Whereas you're getting horses who are coming in with a bit of handicap form, horses coming in with solid group on form, and the fact that races are over in such a short period of time and not much, uh, and it doesn't take much for something to go wrong, means they're quite fun to punt on. Because a lot of them are just beating each other. I put up, I was writing for what are the odds last week and I put up more skill at 50 to 1 the night before as the each way but in the num flop so I was very happy that he nabbed third. I ended uh, up backing Moskill. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I, I had 40s on Moskill. Um, I, I, I don't know what it was. Just looking around the parade ring, Al Ali and Art Power looked measly in comparison to the others. Um, and Art Power... The wheels were turning once again, but nothing was coming out. Uh, step up to six furlongs six. is probably the, the logical idea, and the Sprint Cup has been targeted as the next race for him. Alali's going to go back to Ireland to, for the Curra on Irish Champions Weekend, which I think is logical. Uh, he never really got onto terms, really. Um, I, th- I think possibly the ground slightly stinted Alali. I do think he liked it fairly fast. 
he can run with a bit of dig underfoot, but I do think the better the ground, the better performance for him. Um, they were the two notable disappointments. Um, however, you can't fault Batash at the moment. He's at his peak and he looks like he's getting better. Yeah, what a boy. What a boy. Uh, can't fault him. Moving on to the Saturday then, Jim, and the big race of the week, the Ebor. And sometimes, mate, the obvious one is the obvious one. You'd have been daft not to have spotted Fajera Prince as a potential Ebor horse after what he did at Royal Ascot. Went off favourite, justified as well, could completely see why he was, the price he was. And he got the job done, and you'd, you'd assume that for a while this is his last one in a handicap. Yeah, certainly would. And even if you go back to his Royal Ascot win, you would have thought there's certainly a, a Group 3 or something that he could have picked up. But this this backed up that point. Um, was in the right place throughout. Uh, I'll, I'll, they didn't go a furious gallop, but I, I do think it paid to be near the front that last week at York. Um, there wasn't an awful lot coming from behind and Andrea Razzini gave him an absolute perfect ride, just sat behind the, the front leaders and nursed him into the bridle with three furlongs to go Scarlet Dragon come up, absolutely cantering uh, for Holly Doyle I thought, Christ what's what's this on the inside she just managed to sneak up and, and get the inside Glenn Cadden Glory kept galloping out in front uh, for Tim Easterby another a superb runner for him. Uh, and Fajira Prince just niggled into the bridle, so slowly picked up the bit and uh, comfortably got on top in the end. Uh, and good win for him. And as you've mentioned, group races certainly beckoned for him. I, I guess the minor problem with that though, mate, I'd say would be the kind of group two, group three staying races. In my head, over, you know, a mile and six plus, tend to be a little bit uh, top-heavy towards the start of the season. You know what I mean? Whether yeah. he's going to have to be thrown in at the deep end, you know, straight away. And his, and his next starts might have to come in. Group ones, group twos, or over trips even further. You know, races like the Doncaster Cup or... You know, the group one on Champions Day, unless you want to go for, you know, aim slightly lower and go for listed races. It, it depends what they want, what they think, because they could keep him in training next year and, and aim him as a cup horse then. They could find some listed group three races for him over longer distances. I'd, I'd quite like to see him running the Cadran. Um, I think he's all stamina, he's got plenty of stamina and. and uh, I think that would probably be interesting for him. I do think he likes a bit cut under foot as well. Uh, and in France, you certainly get that. Well, mate, that was going to be not the Cadran, but the pre-Royal Oak was what yeah. I had in mind. Uh, that's over a mile seven. Int Technician won it last year. That, that to me, would make the most sense for, for, for Jerry Prince in the short term. But he's a horse. Look, I think it's, what, seven, seven or eight runs as a six-year-old? He's a horse who obviously takes minded. Uh, so even whether they'd want to not work back from next season, but campaigning for the rest of this year with an eye on 2021 and thinking we might be able to give this horse a proper good campaign winning Group 2s and Group 3s in Britain, 
uh, in 2021. Although, why would you want to? France is richer. And Look at Frankie. Yeah, completely. Completely. Uh, the undercard then from the rest of the uh, E-Bar meeting, the great voltage won by Pile Driver. Again, really good effort from him. Yeah, uh, really, really impressive performance. Um, he needed to back up from his disappointment in the derby, and he certainly did that. He beat a very, very... It's been a below-average year for Mile and Four Horses, I'm thinking. Um, Highland Chief sort of showed, sort of showed that by the fact of him winning that uh, handicap at Royal Oscar. It was an outstanding performance, but a handicap has slowly turned into a Group 2 uh, type this season, and um, you certainly think if you go back in previous years that uh, the Derby fields are a lot better than this year's. Mogul was flat uh, in third, but Pal Driver kept going and won very comfortably. And it's interesting that he's not been declared for the arc. I thought that he'd that'd probably be a better target than the St. Ledger. I'm not entirely sure a mile and six would be up his street, but that's what connections want to do. And, and certainly goes into the chan- uh, race with a serious chance if he stays the distance. I'm of the opinion that he probably won't. Um, However, it's the last Group 1 of the season for his generation and, and you'd, you'd be daft not to give it a go. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. Uh, you'd, yeah, it has to be the ledger for him. It has to be the ledger for him. He's just a, a bit of an underwhelming bunch of, of three-year-old colts at the minute, but Pile Driver was just very, very solid in putting them to bed. Did it well, pulling away. He was the only one who looked like he had a, a substantial turn of foot at the trip, which is what won it for him. Highland Chief, I said, was the each-way bet at 80. Ended up going off 11-1, to 1, so hopefully a couple of uh, the listeners got on that with us. Uh, we were both keenest on Mogul, though. Uh, how daft was Jim to back Mogul during the eat-out-to-help-out period? <laughs> what a stupid... Was it on Wednesday? The voltage were on Wednesday as well. Oh, we should have known. We should have yeah. known. He'd just got back from Nando's five minutes before the race, which is where he'd been on Monday and Tuesday as well. Uh, That's where he'd been for his he'd been for a Mackey's breakfast in the morning. He'd been for a Weatherspoon's lunch, and then he'd he'd had a mid-afternoon snack at Nando's. Trained by Aidan O'Brien, powered by Rogan Josh. <laughs> uh, also, Group 2 during the week, Jim hadn't... We say this every time he runs, but Safe Voyage is an absolute little diamond of an animal. You'd absolutely adore to own him. And he's absolutely smashed up on Master here. Yeah, as soon as the ground went good to soft, there is conditions and he's absolute chocolate under them. Um, superb performance for him. Made all the running, sent decent enough fractions and nothing could get on terms. It was a poor, rich group two, in my opinion. It was only him, one master, and the possible flop that was San Donato. Um, and he's absolutely romped home. Um, great performance. One master could never really get to him. Uh, never really given a chance by Jason Hart. Very, very good enterprising ride. Uh, and I think that Safe Voyage goes to the QE2 now. 
seven furlongs or a mile is whatever he wants. It doesn't fuss him as long as he gets a bit of dig underfoot. And um, with Mahatha out now, you've certainly got to chuck him into the equation. Yeah, completely. Paul, I disagree that this is a weak group too. One master is a group on horse at seven furlongs. She is a group on horse at seven furlongs. And say for you, you, you could say of those close up in the Lennox, he was the one who had the uh, least luck in the run. You know, a cleaner run might get him close enough, closer to Space Blues, who is now a undoubtedly a top class racehorse. I think Safeways can win Group 1s yeah. this season. I, I, I think he's improved again this year. You know, even going back to his first run at Haydock, he's only got he's got to be in a neck of Space Blues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Obviously, it'd be the foray, wouldn't it? Yeah, that, that, was, that was my thinking. Costi is an out-and-out, he's an out-and-out seven furlong horse unless he wanted to go back uh, to Champions Day. That's where he'll take Space Blues on again, who, like Safeways, looks to have improved this season and is potentially on a little bit of a more uh, vertical trajectory. That being said, mate, I just wouldn't put it past him. I just think he's a ridiculously solid animal who's, who does his job very well, better than ever at the age of seven. And I want, I want him to win a Group 1. Yeah, I'm of the same camp. I'd love him to. Um, whether he will is a different question. Uh, do we want to talk about the strengths all stakes briefly? Certain lad, 66 to 1, runner up in the John Smith's Cup on his last appearance at York and turns up again and wins a group race. Yeah, uh, good ride by Holly Doyle. Uh, wasn't the result we were all expecting. Um, it was a bit of a funny race, if I'm being honest. Um, he, he sort of was. They all came across to the stand side. They all concertinaed slightly, and certain lad made made his best way home out of a lot of them. And uh, the sort of race was marred due to the loss of Miss O'Connor. Uh, thoughts with connections. She was a superb, superb mare, uh, and will certainly be sadly missed. And um, Lord Glitters was possibly slightly disappointing. Um, never really got going until late on where he did and then it was far too late uh, and Dark Vision was never really in the race either maybe maybe one too many races for him this season Yeah, not not quite sure whether uh, that's the most substantial group reform you will ever see and the Lonsdale Cup M. Bihar is just in the most gender neutral sense of the word possible an absolute dude <laughs> Yeah, uh, certainly is. The, the more that Jim Crowley threw at her, the more she found and stayed very strongly onto the line. And I, I mean, if if they retire, well, they probably will. When they retire Stradivarius at the end of the season and they keep MB in training, they've certain, John Gosden's certainly got one to keep uh, the team going over the two-mile division. The pre-de-royer uh, on that weekend. The pre-de was. The Royal, the mile and six Phillies group one, because <laughs> she was third in last season. Surely, surely her best opportunity of winning, of winning the, of winning a group one. Uh, I don't. Why can't they just call it the French Lily Lantry? 
<laughs> it rolls off the tongue better. Yeah, it really does. Uh, two-year-olds. We saw quite a fair few. Some very impressive as well. We'll go back to the first day of the meeting. And we told you to follow the trends. Sniff names, win the Acom, gear up 9-1. to one, Beating a spy catcher on only his second start and Broxy. Uh, the mar- the market got it completely and utterly wrong here, mate. Yeah, and the, the trend of Godolphin not winning the Acom again happened, and uh, that was very disappointing. Uh, gear up, take nothing away from him. Um, seemed to just keep rolling, and uh, as he was pitched fairly near to the to the pace, um, he was given a a good ride by Sylvester Souza, who. who Gets his horses rolling fairly early, and he just kept galloping. Spy catcher travelled into the race as if he was going to win it, and maybe Greenness possibly put him out of it, having only had one previous run, and which was fourth at Redcliffe. Um, I do think the main eye catcher of this was my fancy Royal Scimitar. I think the, he, the way he travelled into the race, stepping back down to six, I think he could be electric. Um, this race clearly showed that he didn't stay seven furlongs. Um, he's got a, he's certainly got speed as he showed at Newbury, uh, although he, he found a lot for pressure. And I think that the way he loomed up in this yacht race really, really impressed me. I thought he was coming to win it and then he, he just sort of ran out of gas. Um, possibly stepping down in trip, I think he'll, he'll be the best horse out of this lot. Fair enough, Jim. Yeah, lots of positives to take. From his run. Staying with the Colts. Arguably mate. One of the most impressive. Well not even arguably. One of the most impressive. Two year old performances we've seen in Britain this season. Came from Minzal. Who just looks immensely talented. Immensely naturally gifted. You just get the sense that. You know the sky could be the limit with this horse. Once, once, once he learns a bit more. I mean, it, not not saying he's particularly green or inexperienced, but Jesus Christ, he's got a load of natural talent to work with here of, of the Owen Burroughs team. Uh, won the gym track from two lengths beating Devil Waller and Mystery Smiles. One of the performances of the week, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Uh, on a magical day for Jim Crowley as well. Um, having the four winners on the day and Menzal is absolutely obliterated this field. He was breathtaking, wasn't he? Uh, and he travelled with supremacy in the Salisbury Maiden that he, that he won the other week. And, he, and he's done a lot of progression in a short amount of time. Um, and he certainly looks like he won't just be a two-year-old. He's, he's got plenty of size about him and, and hopefully will kick on as a three-year-old. Um, I'd probably give him one more race this season and then that, I'd draw stumps with him. Middle part. Uh, yeah, I think that's the most logical next step. Uh, and he's reversed the form with Mohawk King, who led in this race and didn't quite have the tour to carry on galloping out in front. Uh, Mystery Smiles has run well for Andrew Baldin and Devil Waller for Archie Watson, backing up a nice Haydock maiden that he won the other week. Um, I think, I, I think, like you said, Minzal, the sky's the limit with him and you have, you have to be a bit mental to not be impressed with his performance. Yeah, just just seems so utterly 
precocious and just so naturally gifted that if he were mine, he'd sort of also be looking at and just wanting to wrap up in cotton wool. Yeah. You know what I mean? I won't, I won't be campaigning, you know, I won't be campaigning him, trying to give him races where he's going to have to graph for it. Even though that's that's something that he may possess as well, but Jesus, yeah, it just looks like a rare, a rare natural talent. Uh, I guess while we're on the three-year-old Colts, should we touch on a Tonian? Three-year-old Colts? Oh, two-year-old, two-year-old, <laughs> stop moving me off. Uh, just, a, just a last mention of uh, the gym crack. You better believe it, who I fancied. Two keen, ground wet against him. Six furlongs dots into his be- his bag. Once he was beat, he was let down. Um, I think that's it for him for this season. If I was the, the connections, uh, and hopefully bring him back stronger next year. Yeah, so Etonian, one going away in the Salario Stakes ended up being quite an entertaining watch because the Peter Sharalambos horse Apollo One gave it a right go from the front. Eventually, just lost out for third. Uh, being overtaken by King Vega late in the day. Uh, but they've, they've had good two-year-olds in these colours before, those of Julie Wood, the Richard Hannon team. And they've got another smart one here, Etonian. Looks a potentially top-class prospect. Yeah, certainly. And to say that what he did wrong, he appeared to lose his footing twice around that bend. Uh, and he then seems to just perk up a bit. And he, he got slightly keen. Uh, so you have to mark that up even more. Uh, kicked on comfortably from Apollo 1. Boonga Regetta's uh, son ran an absolute cracker. Uh, he was he was still fairly keen and and uh, was very green towards the end of the fi- finish. Uh, and King Vega, I think, would have finished a lot closer if he'd have got a better run through. Um, he didn't get the gaps when he wanted and Atonian was on the outside and, and He's sort of just running up the back of uh, Atoni and King Vega. So I, I marked him up slightly for better than what he ran. However, you have to uh, you, you have to be fairly stupid to, to not think that Atoni was impressive after what he did wrong as well. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right on every point there, pal. The Phillies make the lava. Miss Amulet, another bargain. Uh, I want to say bargain bucket purchase. She, she wasn't from KFC. Uh, have you heard the breaking news today that uh, the slogan's gone? It has gone. You can't you can't lick your fingers anymore. What you meant to do? Wash them? Maybe. It doesn't quite have the same ring to it, does it? Wash your fingers good. <laughs> it doesn't, does it? Uh, no, not really. But Miss Amulet, I mean, this was a really, really interesting race to watch, mate, because Sacred, very well backed, went off 15 to eight favourite, ended up finishing second, uh, giving the favourite, sorry, giving the winner a decent race as well. But I just really, really liked everything this horse did for Ken Condon. Yeah, I mentioned that she was a bit of value at 14s. Uh, I thought I said that she ran really well behind Frenetic uh, when beating Frenetic, uh, who since backed the form up. And I think it's because she had an unflashy profile that she was such a big price at the start of the week, although she was well backed on the day. Uh, she'd won comfortably and I was of the opinion that maybe the six furlong would possibly blunt her a bit. Uh, I thought she was all speed over five uh, early on and uh, she sort of just... Sacred never just... At no stage I think Sacred was going to win. Um, Miss Amulet always seemed to keep finding more as soon as Sacred come alongside and I think Uncle Thumb sort of 
showed what he did at at first previously, showing very greenness and uh, he was very slowly into stride and just never was really in the race. And I thought he was a major eye catcher in third. I think there'll be races to, to be won with her. Um, an interesting race. I think the front three are, are nice types uh, and they'll certainly be winning races sooner rather than later. Yeah, I can't argue with that one bit. Um, Coulthum, I'd have, I'd have put down as the most obvious eye catcher of the entire week. Green as grass still, but she must have a hell of a natural ability to have, to have managed to get into third from the position she got herself into early on. She's worth keeping with for Richard Fahey when the penny drops. I imagine she'll be winning group races. Uh, anything else from York during the week? I'd like to talk about the Clipper Logistics handicap because, look, we've been saying this about quite a lot of the... Uh, the good mile handicappers this season. But this surely was the last time we'll see Montafamon and Sabuska in in mile races. They're, you know, I I think they're better than the horse that won the Strensel, the pair of them. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Sabuska, an absolute cracker, uh, was given plenty to do on the far side, didn't have anything to race with. He put his head down, he settled well, and he carried on galloping to the line and nearly got the better of Montafam. Do you know uh, what time for him have him as now? Go, go on. One, two, three. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't put you off. Uh, I think that's a fair enough rating. And, and the front four that you wanted to be at the front came to the front. Uh, the form this season of Sabuska and Montafam has been rock solid. And as you mentioned, Group 3s or Group 2s certainly will be up their street. Anything else from you, mate? Happy Romance gained another big, big sales race win, uh, just turning over Devious Company. And my, one of my very few winners of the week came on the first day when Summer Moon took the Skybet handicap at 18 to 1. I hope a couple of the listeners went in with us on that. Because it was a slim pickings for the rest of the week. Well, I, I better mention my only winner of the week in that. I think obviously in our tipping uh, challenge in Aklan Express uh, for Nigel Tinkler, Tom Marquand. Uh, given a power pack ride by him and showed inexperience, even though he had had the three runs, uh, two runs previously. Uh, sweated up before the start, was very jig joggy in the parade rings. Massive negative when I see that. And he still got the job done, just beating Queen of Rio. Um, showed a lot of speed uh, and kept going out in front and giving a good ride. He's, I think he's a slightly lucky winner. Acklam Express, because the horse who I, I felt felt the looked the biggest threat to him was Mamba Wamba, who got absolutely taken out. I do I do think that he was slightly lucky, but I do think he he still had to get his head in front, even though he'd done a lot pre race wrong. Yeah, he's he's benefited uh, most of most of any other from the second interfering with the fourth. Yeah, and um, if if it was almost the other way around, if if I wonder whether Queen of Rio would have... Well, I don't think she would have kept the race uh, if, she, if, she, if she was first past the post. It was only her nose. But surely, surely she couldn't have been allowed to have kept that uh, with what she did to Mamba Wamba. Uh, but yeah, good, good shout from you, Jim Acklam Express. Tidy winner of the Rose of Stakes. Uh, general stuff from elsewhere, the pre-morning. Two-year-old group one in France, and you, you touched on earlier, right decision for Frankie, and Wesley Ward's got another good one in Campanelli. 
Yeah, and, and one that looks like the 1,000 guineas could be up her street next season. Um, just she found more than I was expecting her to find, and I wasn't. It's not that I was negative on her, but I, I didn't. I fancied others more than her, um, and she just kept finding. And good ride by Frankie, and sort of the result I really wanted. Uh, in the end, uh, I mean, tactical did a lot wrong in the race. Was fairly slow away. Never really travelled. Uh, the form, his form isn't looking as good as what it did early on now. Um, but I still think there'll be races to be won with tactical. And Nando Parado ran a cracker in second for Clive Cox, who, which certainly showed that his 150 to one shock at Royal Ascot wasn't a fluke. Can mark Nando Parado up as well for that? I think, mate. The way the I race agree. didn't quite suit him. He's a good colt. Yeah, um, I, I'm of the same opinion of yeah. I, I, I'd mark him up. He ran on his own as well and did a lot wrong. Yeah, nice of uh, River Master as well. Good run for him in third uh, for Richard Fahey and the John Dance team. He'll be a threat back in England. Uh, really tidy from him. The Prejean Romanet as well, another group one, uh, went went the way of Ordaya for James Fanshaw, 33 to 1. Outsider. <laughs> Last seen on these shows winning a Class 2 handicap off 99 at Newcastle on a net start. Goes and wins a group one in France, so well done to Fanshaw. That's a great bit of place in there, Nazif. Doesn't stay 10 furlongs. Doesn't no, stay I, 10 furlongs. And the interesting point of uh, Odaira that you meant, that you didn't mention was James Fanshaw has now won that race three times. Tremendous record in it. And uh, the wife of Walter Swinburne owns, owns her. Yeah. The, the good colours then. The good colours. I remember, yeah. they don't have many horses, but it's... I kind of like seeing a good one in them, if that makes much sense. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Call the Wind got the pre Kurgle as well. He's France's best stayer, and he has been for a while. Uh, now that my mate way to Paris has dropped back down to running over middle distances as well. Uh, Killarney. <laughs> I want to talk about Killarney. Of course you do. No, because we saw some good stuff. We saw some good stuff, obviously. Uh, the big race, Robin de Foray almost won once again. And uh, Live Love Laugh's going to change his name to Live Love Laughing at Lewis. Because that's all he seems to do in his career. Just mug me off and mug me off and mug me off. Uh, Malone Road, though, mate. We spoke about him a couple of weeks ago. I said take the 16-1. to Well, he's very, very decent. And good to see him back on track. Yeah, did. Did what he had to do. He jumped, made a few errors at his jumps, but he'll certainly learn from that and still won comfortably and won how you sort of want him to be winning and hopefully on to bigger and better things. Yeah, completely, mate. There were other good performances over the jumps uh, last week as well, and I can't remember where I've put them. Oh, uh, John Snow. Yes. Big money purchase. Uh, for the Riches, a little bit of a hype horse last season. He's been doing well this summer. Uh, won again at, at Kalani. And build me up Buttercup, Jim. Am I alright to just read the uh, At The Racers Spotlight preview of what it said about build me up Buttercup on their race analysis uh, before she went and won? Go on. Bear in mind, this is Build me up Buttercup, right? This is a horse we all know about. This is what they said. 
John Turner has an exciting mare on his hand in Tipperary scorer, finest evermore, and himself and Willie Mullins and Paul Townend could well combine for another success here through Build Me Up Buttercup. Turner loves his greyhound racing, of course. At that point, I was almost certain they were going to call Build Me Up Buttercup a dog. (laughs) (laughs) Daft bitch. Why? Why why have a horse like Build Me Up Buttercup and mention that the owner likes greyhound racing and not call that horse a dog? No horse is a dog's. No horse, the dogs build me up, but actually won a race as well, so it's not the week to be slating her. Yeah, and so wonderful who I accused of barking the other week. Two out of two, since you said that. I know. Horrendous. And uh, Anna Fane ended up being injured and out for the season. Yeah. Anything else from you this week, pal? No, not not at all. It's a, it's a week off from me uh, after Molly May's disappointment and uh, a an abysmal York from what is normally a, a, don't do too bad at. Yeah, these. I mean, I wanted to end it on a positive note because we do have something really exciting in the pipeline. We'll be telling you more about that on our preview podcast on the next episode as well. But I expected too much of Watson there, didn't I really? We always do. We always do. Let's try and end it on a little bit more of a high note. Uh, thanks to everyone for their support. Thanks to rating the races, of course. Uh, we're very, very sorry that our first ever double nap... It was inevitable, wasn't it, that our first ever double nap was going to finish stone last. <laughs> That's how the world works. Uh, thanks for rating the races for the support as normal. Thanks to everyone for listening. And we'll be back with a pre- preview show later in the week. Thanks for listening. See you later.